we now have some time for a bit of a discussion amongst the panel, and I'd like to start really by um, uh, going to uh, Amanda Butler, who is the QA coordinator for uh, Kilkenny and Carlo ETB. Uh, start with Amanda, with this, this whole idea of digital transformation. I mean, what does that bring, what does that mean for the practical and the skill-based learning that you would find in an ETB? Um, thanks, Tony, and thanks to QQI for ha having me on the panel today. Um, so I suppose um, Walter mentioned opportunities for learners, and, and we've heard from many speakers, I suppose, about the challenges out, out there for society. Um, and our, the FETs, the further education and training sector, um, has you know many opportunities for learners in terms of you know addressing the like the housing um, uh, crisis, our apprenticeship programs, um, the you know the the hospitality, the shortage um, in workers there healthcare and childcare sectors, the really valuable roles that FET um, graduates play in society. And I think it's just important to maybe recognize that role first, um, and then look at um, how do we train um, our FET learners. And when you look at FET, it um, sits kind of between second, secondary school and higher education. Um, and for lots of our learners, higher education and the studying that's involved is not for them. And a lot of our learners often haven't had a positive experience engaging um, at second level. So if we can um, take out some of the reading and writing and you know, bring some more digital and digitization into um, our teaching, learning and assessment, I think it's really um, of benefit to the learners in the FET sector. Thank you. I think with, with both um, Jacqueline and, and Blonid, we saw some really good practical examples uh, of digital uh, impacting in, 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 the, um, in, the, in the classroom. Um, this idea, uh, Mark, I'm gonna come to yourself next, this idea of digital transformation for all. Is digital transformation for all? Or are we seeing, are we, are we able to bridge the gap between HE and FE uh, with digital transformation? Or is, it, is, it, is, is digital transformation necessarily a, a, a comprehensive concept? Yes, Mark. For me? Yeah. Um, I guess, the most transformative thing in our generation has actually been the internet. That's the real um, butterfly, if you like. It took quite a long time to come, but that's been the transformative um, innovation in the last 20 years that has fundamentally changed societies, living, learning, and so forth. But the dirty little secret in Ireland, and this was exposed during COVID and well-documented as well as well-researched, is there are many people who do not have the kind of access to the internet that some of us just take for granted. So, you know, transformation is a wonderful thing, but you have to have the infrastructure to start with, which is why I'm a little bit skeptical about the metaverse. Some of you might be old enough to remember Second Life and how we were going to have these virtual worlds. The bandwidth just wasn't there. So, um, yeah, I think we can talk in theory about what it means for all, but we also need to understand that we have deep-seated structural inequities in most developed societies. Um, arguably, the US would be one of the largest in terms of the disparity between the rich and the poor, but it's also the one with the greatest investment in education. So for me, we can't expect digital technologies to change this. Um, we have to change our vision, our ambitions, and hence why I finished talking about the good society. So just following up on that idea of ch changing vision and changing infrastructure. 
Um, the, some of the examples of some of the work that uh, Jacqueline, you were talking about um, in terms of higher education 4.0s, are you, are you coming up against any kind of barriers to allowing you to bring that innovative change through the project, through the career path? Yeah, I mean, there certainly are lots of different barriers that exist in terms of people being um, you know, just averse to wanting to change the way things that have, have always been done in a certain way and, and you know, being averse maybe to taking uh, risks uh, in terms of new innovations. And also, you know, within, within the higher education sector, the pace of being able to you know, implement um, the policies and quality assurance processes that are necessary you know, for these things to be done right, can sometimes move at a glacial pace because you know, universities are operating through committee structure and it can take uh, a long time. And that's certainly you know, uh, one of the barriers. Um, so there, there are plenty of barriers. And I guess it's about, uh, you know, in terms of the funding that we would get for the likes of the project, like Higher Ed 4.0 has kind of really facilitated accelerating um, some of the innovations that you know, we would have really have planned and wanted to do, but it's really accelerated the pace of that being able to happen and also being open to innovation and, and to new things as well. So there are some barriers and some facilitators. And to yourself, Bonnie, you spoke about uh, reimagining of undergraduate learning. I mean, is, is that possible within the current culture and structure of higher education in Ireland? I would say, I think, based on my experience in DCU, it is. Mm -hmm. um, that's not to say that, as Jacqueline said, that there are challenges with that in terms of how our structures are set up, how, to be fair, really tired colleagues are having gone through keeping the show on the road the whole way during COVID. Um, and so that their capacity to, to be enthusiastic and excited about a fundamental reimagining um, at, at times, you, you can't expect that to be 100% um, enthusiastic. But what, certainly what we've explored is when, what we found is that when the perspective is that of the learner and, and the driver is that enhanced learning experience for the learner, that fundamentally all of us who are privileged enough to be teaching in a higher education institution. That's why we are there. Yeah. So th that's a phenomenal um, enabler of the, the change that's required to, to see the, the types of innovation for that fundamental reimagining that we talk about. Okay, thank you. Um, I'm gonna move on to, to talk a or ask a little bit about standardization and QA and how digital transformation um, uh, enables that. But I just want to go to uh, Slido and um, along AI-generated essays, how do you see uh, digital transformation procedures and QA procedures evolving for outsourcing for online learners? Um, anybody want to volunteer that one, an answer to that? I'm feeling very nervous after Walter's um, talking about these new guidelines. Um, you know, the fundamental thing, you want to under-promise and over-deliver, but... Uh, what I am witnessing with colleagues around Europe and elsewhere in the world is what I personally describe as the whitewashing of online learning right now. Okay. So I'm hearing people talk about a return to campus-based instruction. Um, we're a place-based university. The real education we all know has to take place on a campus, doesn't it? Before COVID, even at Stanford, only 50% of students went to lectures. I quote a popular media source, not a well-researched source. Um, 
this binary between offline and online is a false binary. Yeah. So that's one of the challenges we will have in the guidelines project. What do we really mean by modalities? And, and London captured that and Walter as well. So um, for me, if we're really talking about reimagination and transformation of that big T, mm. I want to be quite pragmatic and say assessment is perhaps where we should start. And in the whitewashing of online learning, I'm seeing a return to traditional assessment practices, despite some really imaginative things that were forced on us during COVID. And we are asking students still to go and write for three hours with a pen. I personally could not hold a pen for three hours. I don't know where else in life you are now required to do that. Um, we are training for memories, not educating minds, to quote from a famous quote from uh, David Perkins. And here's our opportunity to create more authentic opportunities with new technologies that are much more for the authentic real world we work within. Okay, thank you very much for that. Um, Amanda, just to come back to yourself, there was a question in regarding uh, examples of innovation and shaping of the future of education that are happening in the FA sector. You, you, could you inform us of that? Yeah, I suppose I can and I can't. Um, my own role is in um, quality assurance, so I, I can talk around that. Um, I suppose in terms of um, QA and what we're doing, and um, I suppose I don't want to hear a collective groan from the audience now, but it would be about policies and procedures and, and you know, trying to put a framework on you know, how we, we would approach the digitization in, in education, how we would quality assure that, mm -hmm. um, how we would make sure that um, however um, uh, assessments are done, um, teaching and learning is done, that you're meeting the requirements of um, the award and how um, you're being fair and consistent to learners. They're the, the kind of cornerstones of, of, of our approach to, to things in Kenning Carlo ETB. And, and we spoke previously about this idea that digital transformation is helping that process and something, this, this, this idea of standardization, allowing for the QA process to be that bit easier. Is that what you're finding? Yeah, yeah, I suppose, um, uh, uh, like for us, consistency is key, you know, and um, uh, trying to get um, consistency within our ATB um, uh, to uh, across centres. Um, and, uh, you know, if we have like established a community of practice around e-portfolios, for instance, um, and even that, having that conversation, um, having people talking the same language um, and having support, um, and I think support is very important. And, and there's a big um, role for QA in terms of support as well. So there's, there's probably lots of different ways that, you know, in QA we can um, support the digitization also, yeah. Okay, and, and just staying on that, maybe just uh, finishing off with yourself, Walter, this idea of, um, you know, standardized QA, there's possibly a conflict there or, or, or an idea that, you know, if we go too far in terms of standardization in the QA, are, are we allowed to, are, we, are, going to, are the guidelines going to allow us to kind of capture the kind of innovation that Blonied and, and Jacqueline were talking about within, within the framework of, of QA guidelines, given that we're talking about moving towards a bit more standardization with, with digital transformation? Yeah, well, QA guidelines by their nature, and particularly these ones that have to stretch across all providers from level 10 down to level one, they're never going to be that standardized or impose that level of standardization that everything has to be done in a particular way. What it will um, expect of providers is that the process is assured. Yes. And I think if, if you take those three layers, organizational, program, 
and learner. Um, at an organizational level, I think it's critical that every provider in whatever scale and whatever level of, of whatever type of online or blended learning they want to do, the rationale and the understanding of why they're doing that and for what purpose is critical. And that then filters down into the way it's implemented at a program level, the pedagogy and the, the range of innovations and the range of ways it can be used, and then the learner experience on those programs, they all have to fit and fall out of that. Mm -hmm. So the provider understanding of why it's, it's using these technologies and in what way and what that means for the organization at an organizational level, at a program level, and at the learner experience level. That, that applies to all contexts, but it doesn't have to mean that some innovations are too far or some things shouldn't have any online. It, it's all about deciding why, what are we going to do and why, okay. and then follow that down. Okay, thank you very much. And, and, and thank you to, 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 to all the panel, um, uh, and especially to, to Mark, who put this collection of people together and this, 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 um, this plenary session together, um, which is now coming to a close. Uh, I'd just like to leave with the final thought coming in from Slido, uh, which is, I wonder if innovate, oh no, that's not the one, I was, oh yeah, here we are. Are we the right generation to introduce all this digital transformation? We are most definitely not the native users of the digital language and a uh, slightly controversial point to finish on, but uh, very interesting as well, is, is the digital native in this room right now? Okay, and with that, I'd like to say thank you very much to everybody on the panel, and uh, especially to Mark. Thank you. Thank you.